Welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, this is what Jesus says. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us of our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And do not let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Today, we continue the series, Jesus at the Center of Prayer. We'll focus on Matthew chapter 6, verse 11, where it says, Give us today the food we need. The message is entitled, Provision. Here's Senior Pastor Brian Jones. Hey, Amen. Well, good morning to you. How are you? Good, good, good. Hey, we are continuing in a series on Jesus at the Center of Prayer. And uh, we are looking at the Lord's Prayer And so today we are in verse 11 where it says, give us today the food we need. Give us today the food we need. Now, uh, several months ago, I was walking around, I was praying, and I felt like God just asked me this question. He said, what are you praying for at Brookwood? Like, what are you asking me to do? Because the problem with prayer sometimes is some of us wouldn't even know if God answered our prayers because we're not asking for anything specifically. And so I, I thought about it for a moment And uh, when God asks you that question, you don't want to rush too quickly. So I paused for a second, thought about it. And then I said to God, there are two things that if you would do this in our church, uh, I just, I feel like we would experience heaven. Number one is this, is that we would be a church that experiences God in prayer in a supernatural way. One of the things that struck me when I visited, in fact, this is uh, pretty special to me. I realized this morning, uh, I accepted the job to come and be the senior pastor today a year ago. And so it is just such a gift to be here. So... Yes, indeed. Whether you're excited or not, you're stuck with me. I just confess that to you. So, but uh, one of the things that I was struck by is this. This is a praying church. And, and I noticed that there are people that get together before services, the seats that you are sitting in. Even if you came in this morning frantic and distracted, you've been prayed for. There are people that all throughout the week pray for you. If you, you might not even be aware of that. And so this really is a praying church, but I've been praying that God would take the roots of prayer deeper than they ever have before. And one of the things I sense is God's bubbling that up. In fact, let me, let me just share a word that maybe uh, is for some of you. God gave me this word on Friday. And, and one of the things is, how many of you uh, don't sleep great? Random question, how many of you don't sleep great? Okay, you are my people. How many of you sleep great? You are not my people at all. <laughs> some of you, you wake up in the middle of the night and you're just restless. And, and one of the things God did is he woke me up on Friday night put this thought in my mind and he told me to share it with some of you but he said maybe some of you are waking up in darkness so that you can join him to drive out the darkness maybe God is waking up some of you in darkness so that you can join him to drive out the darkness through prayer and so this this Friday uh, night God woke me up 2 a.m. I thought maybe it was because I had some bad food or something and then I got up and then God said I want you to pray and you know he, he put it on my heart to start praying for Greenville and Simpsonville and the area around I'm telling you, I just began to pray and God put specific things on my mind. I started to pray for the businessman or woman that had closed a big deal this week and they were on cloud nine. But on Saturday morning, they were going to wake up empty because they were not made for money or success. They were made for something greater. It's Jesus Christ. I started praying for the person who has never experienced love and because of some of the pains in their life, they offer their bodies for one night stands just to feel some value and worth. And I began to pray that they would be awakened to the love of God in ways that they never had before. 
I began to think about the person who, who tries to drown out the noise in their head every single night or every single weekend by just drinking themselves to sleep. I started praying that God would awaken them to the depths of their love. I started praying for the Christian who is so bored with their life. They find themselves most excited about binge watching a Netflix show. And they feel great in that moment, but once the TV goes off, they just feel this emptiness and this void. And I'm praying and I was sitting in that space in my house, just being invited into joining God and bringing his renewal into this world. And so I just, I don't know who that's for, but God just put it on my heart that some of you, you're waking up in the middle of the darkness and God is joining you or he's calling you to join him and pray to push out the darkness in your life. Some of you have been praying for God to speak to you and sometimes he, he speaks to us in hours that we don't always like. And maybe that's what God's up to in your life. I just sense a spirit of prayer. Other thing I've been praying is that God would bring salvation. I've been praying that, that as a result of Brookwood, that people who are far from Jesus would come to know the depths of his love, that people would move from death to life. I went out of town this last week and I came back on Monday. We sit as a staff, we just share stories, we worship together and we pray. And as we were going around, there were five people just, just that I know of, five people that just this last week said yes to Jesus as a result of Brookwood and your faithfulness. Isn't that amazing? Five people who moved from death to life. And I thought, I don't want to get used to this. And I thought, you know what? I need to go out of town more often. It just seems like God's doing something. But here's the thing that I want you to get as we look at daily bread. This idea is simply this. This is the first thing I want you to get when we talk about what is the point of this passage and what is the one thing I want you to take away today. It's simply this. God wants you to ask for help. God wants you to ask for more. In fact, let me just ask you this. If God answered every one of your prayers you prayed for this last week, this last month, this last year, what would he be answering? I was convicted when I started to go, you know, I'm not asking for very much stuff. Most of the time I'm just asking for small things and I felt this urge in my spirit that God was going to me and inviting Brookwood to petition him to ask for more, to ask for more help, that he is interested. In fact, the only time Jesus seems to be upset is when people aren't asking. And so I wanna invite you to, to be someone who is asking for God for help. You know, I heard this story years ago. I loved it. It was about a little boy who wanted a bike. You might've heard this story. And this little boy wanted a bike. And so he went up to his mom and he said, hey, mom, can you get me a bike? And she said, honey, money is really tight right now. I don't think we can get a bike. Why don't you pray about it? And so he decided to pray. And what he decided he was gonna do was he was gonna write Jesus a letter. And he figured his pastor would know how to find Jesus to give him this letter. And so he wrote this letter and he, he wrote, the first thing he wrote was, Jesus, if you give me a bike, I will not sin for a year. <laughs> and so he made his way down the steps. He was heading to the church to give the pastor this letter. And then as he was making his way down the steps, he saw the statue of the Virgin Mary and he thought, man, a year is a really long time. I don't know if I can go a whole year without sinning. So he went back upstairs, took this letter, threw it away. And then he began to write Jesus a new letter. Dear Jesus, if you give me a bike, I will not sin for six months. And then he made his way down the steps again. He saw that statue and he thought, you know what, six months, it's a very long time. I don't know if I can go six months without sinning. And so in frustration, he did something odd. He actually grabbed this statue of the Virgin Mary, walked upstairs to his bedroom, put this statue of the Virgin Mary in this shoebox, threw away his old letter and began to write Jesus a new letter. Dear Jesus, if you ever want to see your mother again, <laughs> I want a bike and I want it to be read. Now, I, I don't think this is what Jesus had in mind when he talks about asking. 
But, but here's the thing I want you to get. If you've been in church for a while, most of us are so worried about asking with wrong motives that sometimes we just don't ask at all. What's interesting is you will not find one story in the Bible, not one single story where Jesus shames people for asking even with wrong motives. The thing that seems to upset Jesus the most is not asking from wrong motives. It's just not asking at all. Jesus seems to be interested in people asking and pleading. And part of the reason I think this is, is because he wants us to ask for help. And you think about this, this is fascinating. Didn't JC do a great job uh, last week preaching on priorities in the kingdom and what that looked like? And uh, one of the things that uh, I was thinking about is when you look at that, you have this shift from macro. I mean, when you talk about praying the kingdom, what are you really praying? You're praying for salvation. You're praying for justice. You're praying for healing. You're praying for the elimination of senseless terrorism like Hamas. You're praying for the end of division and racism. You're praying for the kingdom of God to come in radical ways. And most of us get this concept and we think God embodies those prayers. But you know what's so fascinating is what do you go to after the macro? You move straight into verse 11 where Jesus says this, give us this day our daily bread. And so what Jesus is interested in is not just the macro prayers, he's also interested in the micro prayers. Give us today our daily bread. Now, my wife had some projects for me to do the other day. She had a list of things she wanted me to do. And one of those things was I was supposed to hang up pictures. Now, I confess to you, if you come to my house and you take some of the pictures off the wall, usually what you'd find is it looked like I did acupuncture on my wall. Because I don't know, how many of you are the people that you measure everything up, you laser level, all that stuff? Not many of you. (laughs) But here's the thing. In my house, I, I, I usually just sort of go off gut instinct. Takes way too much time to get a laser level out. We got things to do. We got, we got children to take care of. We got business to accomplish. I can't be measuring things. There's 12 pictures I got to hang. And so I start getting ready to hang this picture and this thought entered my mind, well, what if I just pray about it? And, and I, I started going in my head, there's no way I can pray about this. I started thinking about the fact like, if I'm going to pray, I probably should pray for things like revival in this area. Like as a pastor, I don't think God's really interested in me praying about the way I hang up a picture in my living room or my bedroom. And and I started feeling this guilt. I started going, well, maybe I just need to pray for the church or maybe I need to pray for a mass move of God or maybe I need to pray for justice or healing. And as I had these thoughts, you know what entered my mind? Verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. And it was like almost Jesus was showing me that yes, he's interested in bringing justice and healing and the majesty of God, but he's also interested in the way I hang up a picture. He's also interested in the things you do on Friday night. He's interested in the food you eat. He's interested in that thing that seems so small, that situation with your coworker, but he cares about that. He's interested in what color you paint your bedroom. He's interested in what you do on your weekends. He's interested in the little conversations that you have with your kids. Why? Because he is the God of relationship. Give us this day our daily bread is not just about the macro stuff. It's about the micro things that Jesus is interested in. And you think about this, when you look at it, this is incredibly freeing because most of us have a picture of God only interested in the things that are in our life, the big stuff. But what he wants us to do is he wants us to sit down and engage with him. And so as you think about this, this is what he's calling us to do. Listen to what it says in Matthew 7, 9. 
Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? You ever think about this? Like, why does God, and this is one of the things that people ask a lot. Like, why does God make you ask in prayer? If he's a good father, why does he just give you what it is that you need? And part of the reason I think this is, is because of relationship. One of the things that when I get back from work, I will usually ask my son, how was your day? And I will usually get a deep, profound, rich answer from him. It's usually this, fine. Every once in a while though, and if you're a parent or grandparent, you know this. Every once in a while, you catch your kid on the right day. And they had a good day or you catch him in the right moment. And every once in a while, he's like me, when he gets excited, he doesn't even complete his sentences. So he starts talking about things that I can't even fully track with what he's saying. He's like, oh yeah, I did this today. And then I caught a zombie. And then I was hanging out with a friend. And then John said this. And I mean, I'm like, what in the world is happening? But you know what? Never once does it bother me that I don't fully understand. Why? Because as a dad, I'm just delighted that he is inviting me in, that I get to be a part of what his day was. You ever think about this? What does a good father want to do? They want to be involved with their children. What is the starting point of the Lord's Prayer? I preached on it the first week. What is the starting point? What does Jesus say you're supposed to pray at the very beginning? Father in heaven. So you have a father who is interested not just in the macro things in your life. He's interested in little details of your life. He cares about what you do on shopping sprees. He cares about what you do, not just to punish you, but he cares about those things because he wants you to be involved in his life. This is the invitation that you see as you engage in this. And so God is asking us for more. And, you know, one of the questions someone asked in, in one of the emails that I sent out where I asked, what is it that you want to grow in prayer? And then how'd you rank your prayer life? A couple people asked this question. They said, uh, when we pray, who do we pray to? You ever wonder that? Like, do we pray to Jesus? Do we pray to the Holy Spirit? Do we pray to the Father? Well, technically, let me just say this. We pray to the Father empowered by the Spirit in the name of Jesus. But let me answer this in a freeing way. There is no wrong way to pray. I said this the first week. In the same way a child cannot draw a bad picture, a child of God cannot offer a bad prayer. And so what God is going after isn't all this technicality that sometimes we think we got to do these fancy words or pray to the right person and sometimes we forget prayer is just a conversation with your father. And give us today our daily bread is an invitation that God doesn't just care about all the things going on with justice and all those things in the world. He also cares about your daily life. What a gift when you see this and God is going, I want you to ask for more. I want you to ask for more help. But when you do that, you got to understand there are some principles of prayer that this short little verse in verse 11 gives us. And I just want to give you these principles of prayer as you ask for God and as you ask him specifically, because here's what's important. Some of us wouldn't even know if God answered our prayers because we're not asking specific prayers and we're not asking bold prayers. So heaven is inviting you in this verse to petition him to ask for more. But as you ask for more, there's a couple principles you need to be aware of. First is this, God provides one day at a time. God provides one day at a time. Listen to what it says right here in verse 11. Give us today our daily bread. Now, this is the same principle he had to teach the Israelites in Exodus 16. Remember that story where uh, God's people, the Israelites, they've been enslaved by Egypt. 
So people begin to cry out to God for him to move. All of a sudden he moves and he does something extraordinary. He actually parts the Red Sea and then they're in the wilderness. And you remember what happens is all of a sudden they're in the wilderness and they think God's forgotten about them. And so they get hungry. And so what's interesting is if you take this same principle, they believed God cared about their slavery, but they weren't all that convinced that God wanted to provide for their needs daily. And so they began to grumble and they began to complain. And God did something amazing in Exodus 16, verse 4. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. In the NIV, it says, I'm going to rain down manna from heaven for you. Each day, the people can go out, pick up as much food or manna as they need for that day. I will test them in this to see whether or not they follow my instructions. Do you know what the, the Hebrew word for manna is? Literally, it means Chick-fil-A. That's what it means. <laughs> this is what God's doing. He's raining down Christian chicken from heaven. And then in a few verses, it goes on to say this. So the people of Israel did as they were told. Some gathered a lot, some only a little, but when they measured it out, everyone had what? Just enough. Everyone had just enough. Those who had gathered a lot had nothing left over. And those who gathered only a little had enough. Each family had just what they needed. You know, if I were God, which clearly I'm not, I would change this verse. Give us this year our daily bread. Or I would settle for give us this month our daily bread. I'd even negotiate with God and let him win. Give us this week our daily bread. What I don't like about this is give us this day our daily bread. Because the truth is most of us aren't worried about the day. The stress and the fear comes from tomorrow. Most of us are worried about what tomorrow holds. And do you notice how many times today is mentioned in this short little verse? Twice. Give us today our daily bread. Because most of us, when it comes to the fear, the worry, and the stress, most of it comes from the worry of tomorrow or the next day or the next week or the next month. And what Jesus is trying to get you to do is to show you that he is a God who provides, but he provides one day, one day at a time. In fact, listen to what it says. Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today, today is trouble enough for today. So in, in essence, what he's trying to get us to do is be aware that he will provide, but it's one day at a time. Second thing that I want you to see when it comes to praying and asking for more, not only does he give you one day at a time, but he wants you to believe. He wants you to believe that he will provide daily. He wants you to believe that he will provide daily. Now, you ever slow down and think about this? There is a God who wants to give you daily bread, but do you know there is someone else who wants to give you daily bread? There is someone else who has a meal plan for you. Do you know who that is? The devil. Jesus wants to give you daily bread, but so does the enemy. And let me just tell you this. Satan is a terrible cook. What he wants to do, think about the daily bread he wants to give. God wants to provide and he wants you to trust. Well, what does Satan want to do? He wants to fill you with doubt. What he wants to do is get you to doubt that God really is interested in providing. And usually he does this one of two ways. Either he gets you to think God's too busy running the galaxies to actually be interested in what you're facing. Or he's not a good enough father that he actually cares about what it is you're facing. And if he can get you to believe those things, what will happen is suddenly you'll stop trusting God. You might even believe in Jesus. 
but you'll start going, hey, I got to take this in my own hands. I don't know if deep down I can trust God. See, I think it's true that for most of us, we don't struggle with the macro level of stuff. Like most of us would say things like, I do believe God holds the whole world in his hands. But why is it you have trouble believing that he holds your situation in his hand? Most of us believe that God will provide and take care of people, but do you really believe he'll provide for your family and your job and what you're facing? I believe that every person is a child of God, then why am I so worried about what my children are facing? Do I not trust that I have a heavenly father who will watch over them better than I can? Why do I stay awake in the middle of the night worried about those things that God tells me not to worry about? Because maybe deep down, although I love Jesus and I worship his name, there's a fear that maybe somewhere in his busy schedule, he will forget to provide for me. And that's what the enemy does, just these what-if scenarios where he gets you to doubt just a little bit. And so what God is calling us to do in this verse is to believe, to believe that he will provide daily. Do you remember why Jesus was not able to perform many miracles in his hometown? Because the people struggled with belief. How could anything good come out of this town of Nazareth? Unbelief will be a toxic chemical in your life that will erode your faith and trust and you have an enemy that wants to feed you daily doubt and so what you got to do is each and every day even when you face those struggles it wouldn't be faith if you didn't have a level of doubt the issue is not with the doubt the issue is what you do with that doubt because the problem is with doubt what doubt will get you to do is it'll get you to think that God doesn't care and so you'll try to be God So you can't trust God in the midst of it. But what happens is when you just take a step of faith, even if it doesn't make sense, and you just say to Jesus in your own way, as soon as the enemy comes in, and he's good at doing that, as soon as he comes in, you just say, hey, this doesn't make sense, but I'm gonna take a step of faith. What you're doing in that moment is you are belittling the enemy because you're reminding him that he's been defeated and you are showing the world that Jesus is better. Imagine a church filled with people who don't show up on Sundays and worship and try to escape the world, but imagine a church filled with people who take steps of faith every single day, even when it doesn't make sense, even when the cards seem to be against you, but you trust the word of your father, you take a step and you remind the enemy that he's being defeated and you remind the world that Jesus is better than anything else. That's the invitation. God wants you to believe that he will be that kind of God in your life. In fact, listen to what J.D. Greer says about doubt. Satan's go-to tactic in our life is to break the hold of the word of God that it has on us. So he takes what God has declared and cast out on it. Satan puts question marks in your life where God has put periods. That's what he wants to do. Hey, I know God said he'd provide. Will he really provide? Hey, I know you're at church right now, but you got to take things into your own situation, your own circumstance. He's running all the things in the world. In fact, interesting enough, Matthew chapter 4. Remember what Jesus does, Matthew chapter 4? He breaks away for 40 days to do what? What does he break away to do? Fast and pray. Remember how many times, how many times does the enemy tempt him? Three. And you remember one of those times, what does he tempt him with? He takes these stones and he says to turn them into what? Bread. Remember what Jesus is doing. Guess what you don't want to talk about when you're fasting? Food. You don't want to see commercials on fasting. You don't want to talk about what other things people have had. You don't want any conversations on food. So the enemy shows up when Jesus is physically at his weakest moment. Hey, see that rock right there? You got a whole lot of things going on. You're the son of God. We don't know exactly what he said, but, but we know that what he's trying to get him to do 
is to doubt the word of his father. You've got to provide for yourself. And so he tells him to take those stones and to make him something that will bring provision. He tries to get him to play the role of the father in that scenario. And let me just say this. If the enemy has a meal plan for the perfect, powerful son of God, you better rest assured he's got a meal plan for you. And he will take the doubt in your life and he will get you to put question marks where God has said he will be faithful. I'm not asking do you believe in God in a general sense. I'm asking do you believe that he is a good God who wants to provide for you daily. The answer to that question is radically different. For most of my life, I've told you this, I've operated as a situational atheist. I do believe, Jesus, you hold the whole world in your hands, but I don't know if you hold this situation. And the Lord's Prayer, verse 11, is an invitation to believe in him, to know that you have a God who is interested in the very hairs on your head, even if there's only a few of them. He's interested in what you are navigating with your kids. He's interested in all the things that are going on in your work and your life. He's interested in that new car you're thinking about buying. Like you think about how transformative that is. What would it be like if people actually believed the God of the universe wanted to dwell with you each and every day? Do you know how fundamentally different that would change the way that you approach God and view your life? And this is Jesus' invitation. Give us today our daily bread. Let me see that you are involved because the enemy wants you to doubt that. And here's another way he does this great quote by Corey Russell. Listen to what he says on doubt again. For many of us, we believe God does not have the resources to help us. Or we believe he is stingy and will withhold these resources from us. Many of us view God as a middle-class working dad with seven billion children. He has a good heart, but there are so many demands placed on him, and we are just another voice crying out for something. Others view God through the lens of their relationship with their earthly dad, who is emotionally absent and unwilling to meet their needs. And so in essence, if you don't believe God, is personal enough, you will always doubt. If you don't believe he's powerful enough, you will always doubt. So the invitation is to come back and believe that God wants to provide for you daily. And the key word there being daily. Now it's interesting, the Israelites had two tests and they failed both of them miserably. Two tests, one was don't collect more food than you needed for that one day, right? And each day they didn't trust God in that. So they took more food than they were supposed to. And what happened to the food? Began to rot. The only day they were supposed to take more food was the day before Sabbath, so they weren't working. What's interesting is because every other day the food had rotted, even the day they took too much and the food didn't rot, they didn't even check the food to see if it rotted. They went back out to look for food. They had completely failed the test What's interesting is when you think about this, that they just didn't believe that God would provide in the little things. They believed he'd provide and rescue them from slavery, but is he really interested and is he powerful and personal enough to provide a meal for them each and every day? And yet, this is what they are navigating. You know, it's interesting, in the Korean War, there were a lot of kids that because their parents were killed in the Korean War, they were orphans. They had no food. And so uh, all these orphans, they were so fearful of not having food that, that after the war... There were a lot of missionaries and agencies that actually went over to South Korea. And what they noted was, you can read about this in several books, but what they noted was the kids were terrified even after they started eating three square meals a day. They were terrified that tomorrow they would not have food. And so what happened was these kids, 
They were waking up in the middle of the night and they were terrified because they were thinking there's not going to be enough food. Do you know what the agencies and the missionaries found would help the kids sleep? They would literally put in their hand bread. And these kids would hold on with an iron grasp this bread because it was a security blanket for them. Because they didn't believe, even though they had food for that day, they didn't believe they were going to have food for the next day. And so this became a security blanket for them. Now, I don't think many of us are worried about if we're going to eat. In fact, most of us are thinking about what you're going to eat and how much you're going to eat. Some of you have been thinking about that during my sermon. Stop it. (laughs) But we're not worried about if we're going to eat. I don't think for many people that's the security blanket. For so many people, when you read, give us today our daily bread, you kind of lose some of the interest because you think, I'm not really worried about what I'm going to eat. But here's the question. In American culture, in the society we live in, what do you think is our security blanket today? What do you think it is? You don't want to say it. I heard you mumble it. Money. I, I don't think many people are going to bed worried about what they're going to eat, but I do think people, if you're anything like me, the thing that we tend to hold on tightly to, the thing that gives us a sense of security is where our finances are. And I'll just confess, there are days when I look at the stock market, what's happening here tends to dictate my feelings. And I tend to think, you know what? I don't know if God got the memo that the stock market's down today. And it's almost like I have this contingent thing that when the money in the stock market's great, I tend to feel good. But as soon as things start to look south, I become worried. What's interesting is in, in this particular test or text, they are told to test him with manna. Do you know the only thing in the Bible that you and I are told to test God with? Finances, money. And this is the only thing in the Bible that you and I right now are called to test God with. And and the principle is this, what God wants you to believe, which is terrible math, but what God wants you to believe is that you can take your goals, your plans, your kid's future, your legacy, all these things, not bad things, you can take all these things and what God wants you to believe is that if you put 100% of your own resources that have not been blessed by God, they will not go as far as 90% with 10% given to God. Do you believe that? You don't seem like you believe it. And if you do believe it, can I just say to you again, you've got to be careful. There are things in the Bible that don't make sense. They're terrible math. I mean, remember what Jesus says? That he leaves the 99 for the one. That is a terrible business strategy. He leaves 99 for the one. And so the problem is, is that we operate with wisdom on a human level where we think we know what's best, but what God is trying to get you to do is trust him daily. And if you can trust him with things like riches and resources, then you can trust him with almost anything. Interesting enough, when the people of God try to hold on to too much food, what happens to them? What happens to the food when when they try to hold on to too much? It rots. In fact, listen to what it says in Exodus 16, 20. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it till morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. See, here's what happens. When you begin to hold on to the resources of this world, it doesn't have to just be money. It can be success, power, your job, the stuff of this world. What happens is it begins to rot you, spiritually speaking. And you begin to think the issue is not with the thing in your life. You just need more of that thing. So the issue isn't with money. You just need more money. The issue isn't with acceptance. You just need more acceptance. The issue isn't with power. You just need more power. The issue isn't with the job. You just haven't found the right job. And you will spend your life trying to find in this world what you already have in Jesus, which is full life. Jesus, notice it says in John 10, Jesus does not say, I came to give you life one day. I came so that you will have life and life to the full. 
Give us today our daily bread is a reminder that there is a God who wants to provide for you and he's not just providing food for you, he's providing fulfillment. Remember what the scriptures say, taste and see that I'm good. Do do you really believe that if you wake up in the morning and you spend time with Jesus that, that there is nothing on planet earth that satisfies more? This is the invitation that he's trying to get you to do. Is not just bring him the, mac- the macro things in your life, but get to the place where you believe the word of God in such a way that you trust him and that you engage every single day in your life. So when you think about provision, I want you to think about this. Some people, and it's important to note this, as I speak about money and resources and success, I think it's important to give a vision of the gospel here. Some people have a vision of prosperity gospel. This is where God's one chief desire is to bless you and give you a bunch of resources. I personally don't believe that. The problem is that somewhere, if you say you're not a prosperity gospel, people almost move to the opposite side and they get to this place where they think you're supposed to be a poverty gospel, where God delights in, in you know, suffering or not blessing people. And I think that could, that could not be further from the heart of Jesus. What I think he's interested in is not a poverty or a prosperity gospel, but a provision gospel where what he does on the cross is he takes all of your sin and he gives you all of his righteousness, where he takes all of your doubt and he gives you all of his faith, where he takes all of your anxiousness and he gives you all of his peace, where he takes all of your weakness and he gives you all of his power. This is what God wants to do. He wants to provide for you, but how does he do that? One day at a time and when the people of God believe in him. So let me just close with this. I think this is important. This has transformed my prayer life, but I wanna give you one thing that has been helpful for me. As we talk about give us today our daily bread, there are two ways in which God provides, and I've already spoken to one. One is physical needs. So God is interested, and he wants you to bring physical needs, food, clothing, shelter, all those things. But here's the other thing that I want to invite you into. God isn't just interested in providing your physical needs. What he wants to give you is spiritual guidance. One of the things that has transformed my life is for for many years, my challenge wasn't starting a day with God. It was spending a day with him. So what happened is the day would go on, I would find myself less less and less aware of God's presence. And then it was just this terrible almost strategy where it was like, treat it like your iPhone. I would just get drained and... And as the day went on, I'd be less and less connected to God, wake up in the morning, feel connected to God, then feel disconnected. And I thought, this is just not how God's called me to live. And so what I started doing was I started taking my schedule and I remember just bringing my schedule before God, the meetings that I had, the people that I was gonna connect with. And I would just say, God, I invite you into this day. Is there any word you want me to say in this meeting? Is there anything you want me to be aware of as I go to this meeting? Is there any word you want me to give this person? And so what happened was I started looking for ways God was working throughout the day. Instead of coming to church on Sunday and then trying to remain interested in God, even though he wasn't in my work settings or my places, it just, it became confusing to me. It's like the only place I believe God was, was in my devotional or in my church. The problem is what do you do with the rest of your life if that's your idea? Daily bread is the idea that everywhere you go, the kingdom of God goes with you and you can join God in the renewal of all things. So what happened was I started praying, looking at my schedule, and sometimes God would give me specific words to say. I remember several uh, months ago, I was praying, and I'd never met this couple before. And so uh, God told me, he said, hey, as you meet with this couple today, he said, "I, I want you to tell them that healing is possible for their son. Truth is, I didn't even know if they had a son. I didn't even know if I had heard it right. See, people talk about when they hear from God, honestly, for me at least, it is such a gentle whisper that there's part of me in my mind that goes, did I really hear from God? 
But I just felt like God whispered that morning, hey, there, there's this couple, remind them healing's possible. Fast forward, I go to lunch. We get done and I say, hey, is there anything I can pray for? Without hesitation, this man looks at me and he says, my son is going through something. Would you pray for healing? He said, my son's going through something. And I looked at him and I said, hey, I don't know what it is your son is going through, but I want you to know God has put it on my heart to remind you that healing is possible if you believe. Here's the good news about this. God will get his words to people. He is faithful. He does not need somebody like me. But on that one lunch meeting, that ordinary moment in a restaurant became an extraordinary moment because I got a chance to join God in the renewal of all things. Listen, God will get his kingdom. He is not in heaven going, what's going to happen? All these Christians are falling away. God is safely on his throne. His kingdom is not going away. He is secure. He is faithful. He is powerful. He is not worried about tomorrow, even if you are. Amen? You've got to see that. But what he is doing is he's going, hey, there is an epic story that I'm inviting some of you in where you don't just attend church or you go live your life, what I'm inviting you into is to join me in the renewal of all things, where you wake up and you get to be a part of the kingdom of God in such a way that you go, this is better than anything I could be a part of. What God does is he takes ordinary moments and he makes them extraordinary because you are tuned in, dialed into the presence of God. Give us today our daily bread. What would happen if this church was filled with people who didn't view church as a way to retreat from the world, but almost like a battleship? That what's going to happen is we're going to come together on Sunday. We're going to encourage one another. We're going to worship together. And then we're going to be sent out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Imagine what would happen to this area. Imagine what would happen if you and I really believed that God is wanting us to ask for more and that he is wanting to take ordinary moments in your everyday life and bring the kingdom into those. Do you believe that? This is the invitation. Give us today our daily bread. So I invite you this week, try it for one week. Get up in the morning a few minutes early and just invite God into your spaces. When you're with your kids, when you're doing a project, when you're dropping off the kids at school, just take a couple minutes and invite God into that and see if he might speak a specific word where you get to join him in the renewal of all things. This is the invitation. Give us today our daily bread. Hey, as we close, what I'd love it, if you would, just as a symbol that you're open to the spirit of God speaking to you, would you just open your hands like this? I'd love to pray a blessing over you and pray that your spiritual ears would be in tune to God in new and fresh ways. Father God, we thank you that you run galaxies, that you bring salvation and justice, but you are interested in the ways we hang up pictures. You are interested in the sports practices we have with our kids. God, I pray that you would, in fact, call us to be people who ask for more. I pray this church would be filled with people who are asking, knocking, and seeking. I pray even in this moment that you would stretch and enrich our faith to ask for more. But when we ask, may we be people that understand you tend to operate one day at a time. I pray for people that are waking up in the middle of the night, God, that you would call them in the darkness to join you in driving out darkness through the power of prayer. Would you awaken us to your spirit and the life that you are inviting us into? The enemy wants us to doubt that the life you have for us is the best life. And I pray you rebuke that lie in the name of Jesus and that you would see people who are saying each and every day yes to you and may they join you in their workplace, 
in their community, in their neighborhoods, in their gatherings. May they join you in seeing your glory and your renown made known. So give us today our daily bread. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your provisions. We thank you for your goodness. It is in your amazing, mighty, wonderful name we pray. Everyone agreed and said, amen. You guys are dismissed. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you next week. Here's this week's memory verse, Exodus 16, verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day, the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. I will test them in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. That's Exodus 16 and verse 4. There is a daily devotional based off our current series, Jesus at the Center of Prayer. Spend time with God each day with this daily devotional, which is available on the new Brookwood Church app. Thank you for listening to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. We value your feedback, so we kindly ask that you leave a review. Your insights can significantly help others discover the potential of life transformation through Christ. We appreciate you listening today and look forward to you joining us during our next episode.